Today on Tune FM, I'm joined by Deborah Martin, one of the co-founders of Observer Care that was born out of the Armadale region. Thanks for joining us on the airwaves today, Deborah. That's a pleasure, Ash. Thank you. So to get us started, can you tell us a bit about what inspired you and your husband to create this innovative monitoring technology? Well, just to be clear, what the innovation is actually in the service model that Mm -hmm. we've built around the technology. But just to go back in time to COVID times, of course, where a lot of things started. Um, My husband, Rod, is also, as well as being a GP here in town, he's a um, senior lecturer here at the School of Rural Health. And... um, He's the, the the then head of the school, Dr. Uh, Professor Rod McClure, and he were concerned during that, that COVID period, especially before we really knew what the impact of the disease was going to be on our community, but they were really concerned to be able to keep our community, the hospital and the broader community outside of Armadale safe. And so they started exploring ways to use remote patient monitoring technology to kind of build a, a hospital in the home model that would work for... Uh, to, to keep people monitored, whether they were here in town or, you know, on a property or in a town a couple of hours away from Armadale. Um, and so through that process, um, Rod and Rod <laughs> and uh, another of their colleagues, Alison McDonald, um, set about writing up some protocols for what the patient journey would look like under a remote patient monitoring service. Um, and, yeah, so the... The, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get overrun with COVID, <laughs> which was yeah. good during 2020 or beyond. But the innovation of the protocols and looking at what the patient journey would be like, where they might be on mon- monitoring at home and um, we might see signs of deterioration through that, what would then happen? You know, would they be safe to stay at home? at what point would the deterioration become so severe that they would need to be brought into hospital, we started to think further afield than just COVID-19. What other disease states or illnesses could remote patient monitoring serve to assist? And we realised that there was a lot of potential for uh, using this kind of technology to... Um, to really help people, especially in our rural and remote communities, where there's a there's a we know there's a lack of access to medical care and to and to clinicians, but also just sometimes hospital isn't the best place to be. Mm. Um, being at home can be obviously more comforting to a patient. Um, it also can be a safer place to be, to be honest, um, in terms of um, staying healthy and staying connected to your community and your family. So that that was really the genesis of it. At the you know we we survived COVID, but then we thought, well, there's a lot of potential for this kind of a service to really help to solve some of the health issues that are facing rural and remote Australia at the moment. And there's definitely a lot of those that we're <laughs> facing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely a crisis. Um, uh, gen- general practice, in particular primary health, is, is in crisis throughout Australia, but it's um, we've been, I'll put it this way, we've been in, in rural health uh, for over 20 years now, and uh, it's never been an easy ride, but it's definitely, you know, the lack of access to clinicians at the moment in particular is um, pretty dire. Yeah, which is why it's so important to have things like observer care. Well, yeah, and I mean, I want to also stress that it's not about replacing clinicians. Mm. It's not about making, saying technology has the power to, um, you know, save money in in terms of employing doctors and nurses. We absolutely need 
um, those those people in our in the ecosystem. Um, there's a, technology can do a lot, but it, as my husband says, it can't look down your throat. It can't <laughs> it can't check your ears. It can't hold your hand. You know, it, there's a lot of it can't administer immunisations. Um, so, but it's about the judicious use of technology to um, to augment the decision-making process that clinicians have to go through all the time. You know, is this person sick enough to transfer to a bigger hospital? Um, that's a massive decision because with huge impacts on the, on the health budget and also just on the lifestyle of, of rural people. If they're having to go from, say, Tenterfield to Armidale, that's a two-hour by road, if they have to go on on from Armadale, that's generally down to Newcastle by air yeah. or road. These are these are massive issues for rural people. Mm. So how many people has uh, Observer Care helped so far? Uh, well, the technology is, is relatively new yeah. and novel. Um, we, we use an off-the-shelf um, technology that we purchased through a, a tech, tech partner. Um, what's novel for us is, in our, what's what's novel in our innovation is the service model that we're wrapping around it. How does this work within the um, the <coughs> the health system that we currently have? Um, so, because it's so novel, though the the technology and also our service model, our focus to date has been on familiarising ourselves with the technology, what it can and can't do, and getting it getting it onto patients. These are wearable devices, so we have to actually place them on patients, and seeing how they respond to it and whether it's um, useful for them. We have been really fortunate to work in partnership with a local aged care provider here in Armadale who um, enabled us to facilitate a, a trial on some of their patients and shout out to them because that, they've been really be, been very um, supportive of, of trialling this kind of in, in innovation um, and I'd really like to thank their care staff there and the patients obviously who agreed to trial and, um, and the nurses up there. So we were able to see what the data flows were like um, of this kind of monitoring and um, we did get some insights into how to what, what technology works to have a, t- a consistent flow of data, which was really useful. And we also got some glimpses into what you would see in a in a patient's vital sign data as they were starting to maybe deteriorate. So that's where we're at right now with the with our trial with our development, I should say. Yeah. So will the results be released in a, a study or a report? Well, we're yeah we're in the process yeah. of writing up a report. Um, yeah, we we have to report obviously back. We have ethical approval through the university's research services here. Uh, so we are in the process of writing, reporting back to them. We obviously want to report back to their care facility as well. Yeah. yeah. Is there uh, federal funding or state funding that you guys are accessing? Uh, at the moment, Ash, we are bootstrapped. Yep. <laughs> um, and so we have, you know, we've we've been careful and judicious in our purchase of equipment and um, and how we've deployed our time. And we've obviously both of us got substantive jobs yep, yep. <laughs> that we're doing um but yes there is there is a lot of potential to access funding um to you know at various state and federal levels mm. and i have to say the nbn is a fantastic example of yeah. of um being supported 
to um, to do these kinds of innovations. So we're you know, big shout out to to NBN for having this grant process going for a couple of years now. We're really appreciative. You just won the the Innovation Award for Health, right? We Which did. is that's a fantastic achievement. Thank you. Yeah. So how, <laughs> how did that feel? Oh well humbling yeah. is the first thing because we um we were selected as one of two finalists in the health category and there were about five or six categories all up um and so we had the chance to go to sydney last week and meet all the other finalists in all the categories and i have to say every every person we met told a great story about what their innovation was and everyone Everyone I met, I thought, oh, that's a great idea. Why has nobody done that before? Or, mm. you know, what a great use of, of um, digital technology that we can now access. You know, this is the amazing thing that the, the MBN is, has, has opened up the, rural, the regional Australia to the world by being able to access high data flows and, and, you know, the exact kind of technology that something like wearable sensor devices absolutely relies on is available to us now because of the MBN. So, um, which is going back to your actual question, I'm really, really, we were really um, just humbled and, um, and, you know, proud as well. But, but um, it was quite um, overwhelming in a way. Very mm. pleased to win the health category, obviously, but then to be named as overall champion was yeah. absolutely it's incredible. Well, just very, as I keep saying, overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> So how does um, Observer Care differ to other remote monitoring services that might exist? Well, I think, Ash, the main thing that we've been able to bring to our service is this very in-depth understanding of the social and the health and the clinical needs of rural and remote Australia. As I said, we've been living and working here for over 20 years. Um, the remote patient, there are, there are other remote patient monitoring processes and, and services I think being established especially in metro parts of Australia um, we we deliberately went looking for a technology that would enable us to do continuous remote patient monitoring so we can place a device on a patient and get um, continuous signal mm. so that we can see over time trends over time so if we're getting 24 hours worth of monitoring data, which, that, this means that we can see what your vital signs are doing every 10, 5, 10, 15 minutes throughout that day. And what that enables us to see is um, if you might have a spike in blood pressure, because we all do, you know, up in, during the day. But if your blood pressure is up and remains consistently up, that tells clinicians something more, you know, about the, what, what's happening in you um, and so the yeah the we, we went looking for a technology that would enable us to to get that what we call high fidelity um, of monitoring going on what are some of the challenges of implementing it in rural areas I mean they might not have internet they might not have access to NBN is that a barrier for some people well it would be it yeah. would be it's definitely one of the next challenges that we're going to look at so as I said we've been looking very much within Armadale and but it's always been a, our dream to go beyond geographically and mm. to find out what the um, what the issues might be the further away you go from a town centre um, but uh, you know we, are, we, we do have MBN there are other options as well there's satellite as well um, that you can have if you're out on a property um, we'll have to wait and see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because so part of this is as well. You, um, I was reading on the website that the 
data is saved in the cloud. Yes. So what precautions are taken to protect people's data? Uh, it's a really good question because it's, and it should be top of mind for any company in the digital health field. Um, in Australia, we're really lucky because we have a number of, we, we obviously have fairly secure cloud servers. And again, that was one of the criterion that we used when we went to find a, a tech supplier was what their uh, data security and data privacy standards were. So our um, our supplier is a Melbourne-based health and life sciences tech company. That's what they do. And they, um, they not only um, sponsor the wearable device into Australia, but they also have their own cloud servers based in Australia. And it's also HIPAA compliant. Now, HIPAA is a term that refers to um, health insurance um, accreditation in America, but Australian health services can also be um, deemed to be uh, HIPAA compliant. And what that does is it's a further layer of security that there are data protections in place that the company has got in place and they're being accredited every year on the basis of their compliance with those with that HIPAA accreditation. So we we found a company that would give us that security. So it sounds like you guys are going really strongly at the moment. What's next? Uh, well, we the benefit the, one of the many benefits of the MBN grant is that it does enable us to um, ramp up development and to continue to do the testing that we want to test um, across those range of other clinical use cases. We really want to expand our geographic reach, as I said, into more remote parts of um, the New England Northwest. In the first instance, um, we have. Um, a, a real desire to proceed with an anaesthetics use case um, project. Uh, we in fact have a, a grant application in at the moment with New South Wales Health to do that. And the thinking behind that actually, again, derived from like personal experience um, that, that they're um, the idea is that an, an anaesthetics patient, a pa- a patient, sorry, a patient who is um, coming in for some kind of surgery um, needs to be in the best possible physical condition that they can be because they're going to have the best chance of obviously going well in the operation and then and then recuperating afterwards. Um, one of the things that that stops an operation literally on the day of operation is if the patient comes in and they're deemed to be unfit for the operating table and that actually happened to um, a patient um, earlier this year here in Armidale who'd you know come come from Tenterfield obviously there's a lot of you know changing your life around when you have Mm -hmm. to do that and they found that you know there was an issue with the patient's heart that they had to first fix before they could do anything else and so that delays his operation that puts the operating theatre list out for the day that it's it, it, it results in a whole range of um, disruption and inefficiency and so our thinking is if we could uh, check on that patient through a remote patient monitoring um a couple of days on remote patient monitoring, if we can do some checks on that patient over the, say, the course of two to three to five days in the weeks before they're due for their operation, then we would have been able to pick up this exact issue that that, um, was the the problem for that patient on that day. And we we believe there'll be other cases exactly like that that 
Yeah, and it just provides this rich data source then for the anaesthetist and the surgeon and the general practitioner who you know is still in in control of that patient back home um, to really optimise them before they come in for surgery. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Deborah, and and thanks for sharing as well. I really wish you guys all the best moving forward with Observer Care. It seems like it's something that will definitely help a lot of people. Thanks, Ash. We really think so. Thanks for your interest.